Hello, listeners. Welcome to, or back to, Black Sheep and Bad Apples. This is a podcast where I, your host, Lauren O'Brien, being curious, learn some shit about history and teach it to my friends. As you've already heard, this week, my two friends that are going to be joining me, my buddies, my pals, are Sam and Daisy. How you guys doing? Hi. (laughs) Hello. How have things? Ah, Hey, hey, hey. Hey. Oh, yeah. What's up? <laughs> so how are you, how you guys been so far? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm I've been right. going crazy by myself in a mountain, so it's good to just talk to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good to oh, no. feel like you're in, you're in solitary Welcome confinement. Back. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll say it. Well, that's good. It's a little... Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I do love the all the pictures of the goats. Yeah. I do love all the pictures of the goats, I will, I will admit. Yeah, but they're really they're cute. Very All cute the animals though. totally keep me sane. Like, that, that is definitely the easiest part about it up here. I can just walk around and talk to those guys and just make sure they're comfortable, and then like my my stress goes away. Yeah, and they also yes, don't give I... you any lip, so that's cool. Oh, they no, do. but they sometimes do. they give you ticks. That's true. That is also ah, true. I, I took a double. Uh, I took a double doxycycline dose this morning because I pulled the tick off myself, oh, undoubtedly God. from my oh. dog. My dog <laughs> will unbidden jump into bed now and just snuggle, you know, while I'm asleep. She just if when she hears me wake up in the morning, she's like, "Oh, hey," and uh, I'm it. just associating that to. The small tick I pulled out of myself. So yeah, gotta love how no matter what you try, nature is always coming for you, even when you're inside well, in a city oh, yeah. and we're shit. Not, you know, I'm well. I'm, we're dude, not. I'm not, I'm not in a city. That's what it is. <laughs> for sure, I'm in like a. I'm in like a meadow. Yeah, forest. Yeah, I, you showed me a little yeah. bit of of your surroundings right, before yeah. we started. Yeah, yeah. I'll give a little. Here's a little tour. You know, yeah. this is great. Bar, this this is great audio this, content, by the way, guys. <laughs> great yeah, there you go. i hope you guys can all see what's going on out there we're looking at an office so, window uh, with a bunch of green outside yeah. of it it's pretty yes. nice pretty nice anyway yeah. guys you guys we are in like three totally different sections of the country right now we which are. is really cool yeah we got georgia new york and california the yeah it's a pretty good trinity so guys you guys have basically been on the show since the beginning. Sam, you were on episode one. Um, That's true. And guys, when we originally named the show, the idea of Black Sheep and Bad Apples was applied to us, the hosts. But as we've done these episodes, <laughs> I've come across the idea... That maybe... And age. <laughs> I've come across the idea that maybe the true Black Sheep and Bad Apples were the characters we met along the way. Oh. And so following that logic... <laughs> <laughs> Following that logic, tonight's episode is going to be what I'm calling a scattershot episode. Normally, I would lead oh. you guys through. <laughs> okay. Normally, I would lead you guys through a, a single story from history for about an hour or an hour and a half. However, tonight I'm going to tell you guys three different stories, each of which I could not make into their own long form episode. But they are nevertheless people and like parts of history that I think are worth you know touching on and looking at. Um, you know, even if it in just as a playful glance into history. Um, so more or less, these three stories were too short to include into full episodes, so we're going to put them together. Three stories, one episode, scattershot, baby. Nice. So oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's that, AC? This is perfect for my attention span. Perfect. <laughs> and so before we get started, guys, I want to ask you, how do you how do you feel about medicine? Are you guys big fans? You mentioned Doxycycline no. earlier. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, which apparently you just take now in in New York and New England. If you get bit by a tick, okay. you just that within some amount, you know, as soon as possible, you just take a dose of doxycycline to avoid getting Lyme's disease. You just preventatively use yeah doxycycline on a single dose. A, really? Which, okay, an antibi- an antibiotic on a single dose. Yeah, that's what I was to thinking. To avoid uh, 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 getting the, a Lyme's disease, which is a serious thing. Yeah, you know? um, sure. Yeah, uh, but the more you take an antibiotic, the less it works. Exactly. And, and the more uh, antibiotic-resistant infection bacterias you could potentially, you don't always, but you could potentially create, right? Yeah. And yeah. But that's just like that's just the state of being, you know. Yeah, here for sure. in, in New York. And my dad got bit by a tick the other day, <laughs> and he got like a. The doctor was like, "Well, here's a fat bottle for the whole summer. Like, <laughs> anytime you uh, get bit by a tick, you go take two. Sweet. Uh, wow. Okay. So, so I pulled the tick off myself this morning. And I took two. Took two. So how do you guys feel about natural <laughs> medicine? Party. Then, Joe, how do you feel about natural medicine? I think a lot, it can be very, very useful, but it's also a big area for a lot of people to take advantage of other people. Yeah, yeah. So how do, Agreed. You, how do you guys feel about natural medicine that works? Awesome. Well, that's, wouldn't you just call that medicine? It is just called like, medicine, Sam. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, if it, if it works, it's medicine. If it doesn't work, it's not medicine. That's just how things are yeah. uh and things that are medicine for some people won't be for other people that's and true. that's also true and we shouldn't let those things those experiences that people have the disappointments of not having a medicine work for them uh that's formulate very our entire opinion of a, of a medicine yeah agreed. So that, that's actually really uh really perfect for the story we're about to uh we're about to go into because between 1849 and 1882. Yes. Old timey medicine. <laughs> <laughs> 18... Hold on, let me go get my blood soaked fucking apron. <laughs> so between 1849 and 1882, uh, 180,000 Chinese immigrants came to the United States oh, with no. the intention of getting work, uh, you know, as workers or most likely indentured servants. Uh, they were coming to help to like build the transcontinental railroad. By the way, that's about five and a half thousand people yearly. So. Just keep that in mind. A large proportion of them were from peasant backgrounds from the, uh, the southeastern part of China. Because they couldn't simply leave their identities, uh, they brought with them their cultures, traditions, and medicine. One medicine, in particular, is known nowadays to mean fraudulent or deceptive. <laughs> I wish we could have recorded this video because Sam, you just gave me a look that was you could not believe. You're like, where the fuck are we going with this? Made from Go on. Made from the Chinese water snake. Snake oil was and still is a real ah. medicine. Just true snake oil. <laughs> Valued for being rich uh, in omega-3 acids, it has been used for centuries before, most likely sure. arriving, <laughs> of course. arriving in the fish United States. Fish oil. Oh, my God. Fish oil. No, snake oil. Snake oil. <laughs> snake oil. Whatever. 
Things with scales oil. Anyway, it's uh, valued for being rich in omega-3 acids, and it has been used for centuries before most likely arriving in the United States with this new influx of migrant workers. Scientific American, in their article, quote, Snake Oil Salesmen Were Onto Something, discusses research that has been occurring since the 1980s around omega-3 acids and their ability to help with, quote, inflammations such as arthritis pain, but also improve cognitive function and reduce blood pressure, cholesterol, and even depression, end quote. So, okay. yeah, yeah, pretty interesting. Fucking, let's get some of that. Let's go, dude. Um, <laughs> omega-3. I think most people take that shit at this point every day. Yeah, right. Uh, Look, right, like, <laughs> fish oil like people are taking fish oil yeah that's not that's not weird yeah Yeah, and i still have like dude like boomers and herons are taking fish oil it's not yeah um, oh i get arthritis i've been taking it man (laughs) yeah right exactly i take that shit yeah you will too oh are you talking to me sam you better you better not yeah (laughs) i will never get old <laughs> I wish I had two screens and cameras for you guys so oh, yeah. that you knew when I was so you like can point at, at one or the other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're Lauren. It, it, it is oh, just yeah. trying to do it. The only time I've ever been on this thing is for court. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, all right. Well, oh my God, I am so glad to have met you, <laughs> man. I'm so glad to have you both on. It is. Anyway, let's continue with our story. Uh, Omega You need to do an episode in the lab coat that you took the pictures <laughs> in. <laughs> Omega-3s are ingredients behind a variety of functions, such as helping uh, create energy. They can be stored in the fat, and they can keep cell walls strong. Um, they're also good for the brain, the eyes, the heart. The health benefits of omega-3s are outlined by, uh, by a medical article dated January 18th, 2008, written by a Mark E. Sutre, a PhD, entitled... The Science Behind Dietary Omega-3 Fatty Acids, published in the National Library of Medicine. And we're going to read from that article here. Quote, The search for the molecular and cellular mechanisms by which omega-3 fatty acids affect health and disease has led to a large body of evidence, which suggests that these dietary lipids modulate numerous processes, including uh, brain and visual development, inflammatory reactions, thrombosis, and carcinogenesis, end quote. Carcinogenesis is, of course, like the creating of cancers and stuff. Uh, Omega-3s tend to be prevalent in cold-blooded animals rather than warm-blooded animals, and so scientists wanted to know why. It was due, in part, to the nature of their survival. Their bodies are obviously cooler than a warm-blooded animal, and so things like fish and lizards and snakes have varying body temperatures. Omega-6, a common omega-acid variant found in warm-blooded animals with stable internal temperature, uh, temperatures, freezes more easily than omega-3s. Since cold-blooded uh, creatures can't thermoregulate, having omega-3 fatty oils, um, and acids rather, uh, makes them harder to freeze and thus die. From the Scientific American again, quote, Omega-3s proliferate in cold-blooded creatures that live primarily in cooler environments because the, the fats don't harden in chilly weather like omega-6 fatty acids do. Hence, the high level, uh, uh, the high level of omega-3s in cold, water, uh, in cold water fish such as salmon. Uh, snakes and fish share one thing. They're both cold-blooded animals, Kunin says. The man studying omega-3s, Richard Kunin, found that in his research uh, of omega-3 or found that his research of omega-3 fatty acids would eventually lead him to snake oil. And we're 
and guys, we're talking about the authentic kind here. Uh, the researchers, well, <laughs> the, the the researchers, where they put the snake in the mortar and pistol, just crush yeah. it down. <laughs> and cold, this is cold press snake. Yeah. <laughs> cold brood snake oil. Have you ever oil. seen? If I got all my man, curse my imagination. But if you've ever seen how olive oil is traditionally made with a big stone wheel, yeah. Um, fuck, dude. Fuck my life. So. Uh, poor old snakes. Uh, so researchers, uh, <laughs> researchers acquired actual snake oil from San Francisco's Chinatown, made from the Chinese water snake. Next, they collected two rattlesnakes, quote, and extracted their fat sacks, end quote. They then put those numbers <laughs> up against salmon. The results showed that tr the traditional Chinese water snake oil had, quote, 20% eocosapentaenoic acid, EPA. It's essentially, uh, it's essentially amino-3 acid, but they're calling it EPA because... You know, science has a lot of words for stuff. Um, <laughs> while the uh, so snake oil had twenty percent EPA, while the rattlesnakes quote had only eight point five, uh, end quote. Whereas the salmon quote had a maximum of eighteen percent, end quote. EPAs are essentially omega threes. So what's being said here is the Chinese water snake came in first place with twenty percent EPA. The salmon came in second with eighteen percent, and rattlesnakes fat sacks had eight point five percent EPA. Now, guys, why did they and we include rattlesnakes into this equation? Because they were on the West Coast and there's tons of rattlesnakes. All right, all right. So you guys don't see the little verbal trap I'm setting you in yet? No, I have no idea. I was uh, trying to <laughs> set Google up here. And as I you was can trying see, to make a big of a as joke you can for see down, down here in the corner, mm -hmm. that's not actually my name. So yeah. this is how we're doing it, but okay. we're getting it done. So. All right. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, let's start off by saying that snake oil actually does something for you, as we've kind of demonstrated. Sure. Um, I cannot speak to the effic efficacy of it, but it has an abundance of omega-3s, which definitely do something. So it's pretty clear that it, you know, again, it does something. But what does it do? Well, I read one quote that, or one website that described the snake oil as, as like a, an old-timey treatment. And it was kind of their, like, old version of Icy Hot. And guys... See, the 1800... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, so everybody just smells like snake grease. Snake grease, coal soot, and body odor. <laughs> Woo! That's ripe. Uh -oh. The dude, like... <laughs> oh, no. See, guys, the 1800s were boring as fuck. The cell phone coverage sucks. Yeah, and the cell phone coverage it smelled the very. The cell phone coverage sucked. There was nothing good on TV. Radio wouldn't be invented till the end of the century, and still would be prohibitively expensive and mostly gospel music. Any music that you would have heard would have been played live live in front of you by people who may or may not be good at it. So when a carnival <laughs> or theater troupe rolled into town, it was literally the only thing from the outside world you could get access to without paying for a newspaper. And this brings us, my friends, to Clark Stanley. Does that name ring a bell? No. Okay. By the end no, of this, not at all. By the end of this, you guys will know who he is. Clark Stanley was born. Thank goodness. At, he was born at some point. If we were, if we, <laughs> if we reverse engineer his writing, perfect. He was born in 1854 in Abilene, Texas. Although probably not, as Abilene wouldn't be founded for another 27 years after his birth. So, 
He was a cowboy, later a traveling oh. salesman, an air quotes rattlesnake king, and a medical grifter, and a fucking liar. Still, <laughs> still not ringing. Rattles, rattlesnake king sounds <laughs> a lot like uh, what was his name? Uh, t- Tiger King. The Tiger King. Bro, am I remembering that? Bro. You know I don't punch in much to that kind of shit at all. Bro, and this like guy... bread and puppets. <laughs> Fuck. This dude. guy is the Tiger King of the 1800s, as we'll see. Uh, in his book, The Life. And I Vengeance... just saw that for uh, four hundred dollars, he'll come on to the podcast. What really? I mean, I don't. Wanna... I swear to God, we just posted a thing with his lawyer. They said that the, they'll do a forty-minute conversation on any podcast. For forty dollars, for four hundred dollars. Oh man! I'm not. I I if <laughs> I just got my tax return. Praise me, baby, baby. Uh, I am not going to spend my money on that, but I almost am. All right. Oh. <laughs> it, it, but it, it's almost cheap enough to like think about it, where it's just like, oh, you know exactly your 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 audience. Yeah, like, definitely. Dude, you're, you're but like, look, oh, look, 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 look. Four hundred dollars. How many hundreds of thousands of views are you getting from that shit, Sam? I. Who's done yeah. it yet? Is it Who's worth it, it though? Would it be worth it? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't think it would be like for my part. Do you want to do this the rest of your life? I'd rather, yeah, kind of. Anyway, in Clark Stanley's book, "The Life and Adventures of the American Cowboy: Life in the Far West," which, by the way, the part that shows up, you know, where the author uh, is is on the book, it says by Clark Stanley, better known as the Rattlesnake King. In his book, "The Life and Adventures of American Cowboy: Life in the Far West," he lets the reader know that he's writing to emphasize that the wild and woolly westerner. Uh, and and as such, like the Wild West itself was actually more law-abiding and tame than one would might than one might think, and therefore less hostile to the people from the east uh, that people from the east had previously thought. His book has chapters like it was right? also like a lot shorter, wasn't it? What's that? It, it was a lot shorter of an era, an era than a lot of people think too. It wasn't like such yeah. a big time in our lives. It was like twenty or thirty years, really. Like, but well. Yeah. There was a huge yeah. amount of time that was like Western expansion and, and gold rush, but but there was no infrastructure. Like there was, you didn't have like epic shootouts and cattle drives and shit, dude. No, you had murder in the woods that nobody knew about. No, you know what I mean? Like that was it. People dying to the elements and stuff. Like so, Clark yeah, Stanley. That, that <laughs> Clark Stanley, um, his book has chapters like Driving Young Steers Up the Trail, How to Get 160 Acres of Government Land, History of Snakes, and Song of the Cowboy. <laughs> the was, History of Snakes. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> this guy's like the hero. Alex Jones of his time. Dude, dude. Yeah, so <laughs> basically. And we'll see why because Alex also oh. sells snake oil. Um, he alleges yeah. to have started cowboying around the age of 14, and after 11 years ended up checking out the Moki Native Americans in Walpi, Arizona, um, to witness their snake dance. There he claims uh, the medicine man... That asked, sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. If he wasn't lying, it'd be really cool. Uh, there, he, <laughs> there he claims the medicine man uh, of the Moki... Fucking asshole. 
<laughs> there he claims the. Now uh, I really hate this suit. <laughs> the Moki Native American medicine man asks Stanley to show him how to use his revolvers, and it went well. And because he wooed the the medicine man of the Moki tribe with his revolvers, and his skills were allegedly so fucking sick, the medicine man asked him to stick around for a few years and learn medicine. The medicine the man was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the medicine man was going to learn uh, learn from oh. and treat him for being so fucking sick with his pistols. Um, Stanley allegedly learned... <laughs> like disease with pistols. <laughs> I'll, I'll shoot the cancer right out of you. <laughs> he allegedly learned the, uh, their languages and dances, and in the end, taught, uh, taught, they taught him his, uh, their secret to making snake oil. Quote, as I was thought a great deal of by the medicine man, he gave me the secret for making snake oil medicine, which is now named Clark Stanley's Snake Oil Intimate. End quote. <laughs> Guys, oh, the secret... And I could see, like, the stupid bottle and yeah. the banner and, like, the bad paper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, well, and this guy is... Uh, uh, Alan, like, uh, it's, Sam's it's Rockstar, no Sam's Rockstar, you know? What was that, um, Joe? <laughs> It's lead for no reason. <laughs> and and red is, flannel. The lead is a preservative. Um, this... The lead shavings are good for you. <laughs> it's, it's like the gold at the bottom of Goldschlager. <laughs> the secret was... Make sure you shake it up before I mean... you give yourself some. <laughs> the secret to making yeah. snake oil medicine <laughs> we'll learn is cultural appropriation. Another secret tip is to boil the snakes, which isn't really a secret because that's how you get oil from meat. But Stanley is like, yep, they taught me the secret snake oil gathering. And, you know, the, the secret recipe to do it is just to boil them. So we get some. That <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. So we get some lying basic information taught as a, uh, as a secret and cultural pro appropriation before we've even taken off from this story, guys. Like this is just the start of our story and we're already two layers deep of cultural appropriation chinese snake oil medicine and then moki native american tribes which i didn't do any research into this but i don't know if they actually did snake oil i think he's just making it up <laughs> uh he took his air quote new remedy back to texas where it allegedly worked on his friends and he eventually started selling it he would then go on tour through the southwest and western states of the united states Again, there was nothing to do in this area, so having uh, having a what would be to us a literal medical circus come to town with some performance or another uh, was welcome. You know, like people were excited to have you know carnivals and stuff. So that's pretty cool. So to recap, St Stanley lies about where he's from, probably lying about getting medicine from the Hopi Indians, and now he lies to his friends, sells the medicine, and then goes on tour. So it's cool. Cool. Any questions so far? No, no. Excellent. For a while, <laughs> Stanley. <laughs> For a while, Stanley lived on. Sounds the road. about right. Yep. He lived on the road selling his snake oil. He kept a, up a constant supply by paying children, hunters, and eventually even family members to bring him snakes for cash or to ship them, uh, so that he kind of had this continuous supply. Eventually, his touring would take him to the uh, 1893 World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago, which quote was a gala celebrating the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's so-called discovery of the New World. <laughs> it's also called the Chicago, the Chicago's World Fair. So, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. I don't know if you guys know much about that, but it was, yeah, it was a six-month-long uh, international fair with like a pool. There was like science demonstrations, belly dancing, architecture displays, just like 
there was so much shit and it was six months long that's where they yeah they introduced the elephant ear pastry at that oh really like, yeah. Shut up, Joe. <laughs> have you ever seen? Uh, have you ever read the book? Um, oh, the the Devil in the White City. No, I haven't. It, it's an amazing book about the uh, the World's Fair and about H uh, H uh, uh, Holmes, like uh, setting up shop all around that time. Oh shit! I'll have to check it out. Um, there, there's a movie being made right now with Keanu Reeves as H.H. H. Holmes. Oh, man, that sounds so fucking good, dude. It's going to be fucking um, rad, man. Well, and, and anytime you get to like this old-timey entertainer kind of stuff, it, it's always going to be entertaining. But having Keanu Reeves is what I'm assuming is the, the lead yeah. guy. That He's really going to drive it home, you know what I mean? Um, so, again, the more popular name was the Chicago World's Fair. Uh, six months long. Uh, it was an international demonstration in uh, and it included 47 countries, and during those six months, upwards of 27 million people would visit the event. So this is where Stanley finds himself after being on tour. He's landed on, uh, and essentially, guys, he's landed on like booking by being booked at Warped Tour, and he gets to play in front of so many people. You know, this is like a big deal. Um, and even if it's just an op- opening act, Clark Stanley finally makes it big. At the 1893 Chicago World's Fair, Stanley performs, and we're gonna let him describe for us what his, uh, what that gig was, uh, but also like what old timey advertisements looked like. This is from his book, The Life and Adventures <laughs> of the American Cowboy. <laughs> Quote: <laughs> During the World's Fair in Chicago in 1893, as an advertisement, I made my snake oil liniment in full view of the audience, killing hundreds of snakes, which were shipped to me by two brothers from my home in Texas. While doing business in Chicago, I got acquainted with many druggists from different parts of the United States. Uh, just real quick, this Boston druggist would eventually help him like take his product to market, like sell it. Anyway, I couldn't find any uh, information. I know there. a lot of Boston druggists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same job, too. Um, Check, please. Uh, I couldn't find any more information on his actual performance because in his book he says like hundreds of snakes. Another mentions he's doing them one at a time. So I think this is kind of like over the course of a few days he's murdering probably upwards of a hundred snakes. Um, but also like I was curious about what, what like the stage setup was or if there was like breakdown setup times. Like I don't know if anything was booked in regards to like his specific performance. I have no idea about what his demonstration looked like exactly and unfortunately. But while researching this episode, I did discover what the fuck a hoochie coochie was. Now this, this has nothing, <laughs> this has nothing to do with the, the rest of our episode. So, I it, it, we're going off in a little bit of a, a tangent here. But now to any listeners uh, who may speak English as a second language or don't have a good grasp on American slang. Hoochie is a slang term used to describe a promiscuous woman and is often used derogatorily. You know, they, they tend to sleep around a lot. Um, and coochie is generally referred to, it, it's generally a vulgar term for female genitals. So hoochie, coochie together, you know, it, yeah. Anyway, hoochie coochie uh, was a term used during this time to refer to a variety of belly dancing, which makes that country song make a lot more fucking sense. Um <laughs> And I, I I bring all this up because I was looking at old newspapers and I found I this. could see a bunch of old timey Christian folk being like that's hoochie coochie shit like yeah, we're not sure. even gonna <laughs> we're not even gonna try and understand your culture that's hoochie coochie hoochie coochie slut like, there's also that um, old money it ain't Jesus too, right? throwing 
What was Fucking that, Joe? Burning crosses at him and shit. There's that old Muddy Waters song, the Hoochie Coochie Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. That, actually, that makes... Anyway. Um, <laughs> and again, I just bring all this up because I was looking at old newspapers about the Chicago's World Fair, or Chicago World's Fair, rather, and uh, that was an event build, and like that, like it was on the set list kind of a thing. So I was curious about it. Anyway, away from our tangent, uh, since Clark Stanley is telling telling us about him murdering hundreds of snakes, <laughs> um, and he's a fucking lying ass literal snake oil salesman, we're gonna let NPR tell us uh, what what that kind of looked like. Here's NPR quote: Joe Schwartz. The director of McGill University's Office for Science and Society described the scene in this 2008 article. This is a quote within a quote here. Stanley reached into a sack, plucked out a snake, slid it open, and plunged it into boiling water. When the fat rose to the top, he skimmed it off and used it on the spot to create Stanley's snake oil, a liniment that was immediately snapped up by the throng that had gathered to watch the spectacle, end quote. Sam, <laughs> your guy, both of your guys' face just are, you guys are bewildered. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm like, I'm imagining this, right? Like, like you say these things, the only thing I can do, like, my eyes nearly roll back in my head sometimes when you say shit, as, as my brain is like, travel to that place. And I just see this, like, throng of fucking people, like, screaming over. I'm picturing children, too, like, like excited. Yeah, children. yeah, like, kids, like, ah! Like they got the dead snake. Like yeah, there's you know like mom. Can fighting. I take it home? There's a mongrel on the ground. They're fighting the snake for like whatever. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, exactly. Can I take it home? Yeah. Right. So, uh, so uh, Clark Stanley eventually becomes uh, successful with this company, moving to Providence, Rhode Island, to live out his days. But as with any celebrity, his success meant imitators began to pop up. And since uh, Stanley's snake oil was the one true snake oil, frequent advisories would begin to be published in newspapers about the imposters. Uh, this is a, a headline. Headline Ooh, special. Like yeah, headline special. No <laughs> special notice to the public. Since Clark Stanley has been advertising snake oil liniment, which is all in all caps. Uh, in the eastern states, there has been a number of poor imitations sold by canvassing agents and street fakirs. Just real quick, a fakir, according to dictionary.com, is a Muslim religious ascetic who lives solely on alms. So it's basically a person who gives up worldly possessions and kind of lives off of, you know, people giving them stuff. Um, so we've got a we've got a little bit of racism here, I think, on this Black Sheep and Bad Apple Apples episode. <laughs> so just. It's, Listeners uh, put that on your bingo card. The first time we've ever encountered racism, especially delving into history. <laughs> well, again, yeah, that's that little spice that can be added to all these conversations. <laughs> really, we've encountered racism while delving into his, uh, historical accounts of uh, cultural appropriation. Wild. Wild. That's like the freak face in the middle of the bingo card. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, there has been a number of poor imitations sold by canvassing agents and street fakirs, some going as far as to claim that they are agents of Clark Stanley. Clark Stanley has no traveling agents. The snake oil liniment is sold through the druggists only. Below are a few names of the imitations of Clark Stanley snake oil liniment. Snake oil, snake liniment, rattlesnake liniment, and similar names. The <laughs> The, the genuine Clark Stanley snake oil liniment is made from a combination of oils, which, guys, that should be a little bit of a red flag and kind of foreshadowing. Uh, the principal oil being rattlesnake oil, 
When buying snake oil liniment, see the name that Clark Stanley Snake Oil Liniment, in all caps, is blown into the bottle. Don't be deceived by traveling agents. You already mentioned that, Clark. And so-called street fakirs. Clark, you already said that. Who offer the sale of the above-named imitations. No reputable druggist would handle any of the above-named worthless imitations if they've heard of Clark Stanley's snake oil liniment. And guys, the end of that article, hold on. The end of that article. The bold hold nature on. of this man. The end of that article in the fucking newspaper is signed like a letter by a man named Clark Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> So this isn't even like this isn't even like an advertising or marketing. By George, <laughs> this, this is him talking shit about other people to promote his product, and it is just—it's exactly what you would expect from a snake oil salesman. But now, his product had merits. Like, yeah. Uh, now maybe this is something that only I find funny, but it's fucking crazy that he's stolen Chinese medicine, supplanted a Native American origin story, and patented it all to sell it, and uh, and he's doing this all while saying anyone who had who had heard of anything that didn't bear the name clark stanley was fraudulent he's he even says quote don't be <laughs> deceived end quote while deceiving people to get them uh to buy an inferior product to the original chinese water snake oil it's fucking nuts and so very alex jones of him <laughs> yeah that's that whole uh, thing of oh, like wow. anyone who's like um projects that much you have to like worry about it like, like that's the reason why they're projecting yeah <laughs> Definitely. Um, so Clark Stanley's not in- not surprised. There's more Alex Joneses in the world, yeah, like right. throughout history, for sure. Um, so he seems to have lived a decent life after the World's Fair. With you know, he's got druggists backing him, and I would even venture to say that he's probably lived with uh, with like affluence to one degree or another. However, stylized in a true libertarian nightmare, Clark's profiteering would soon come to an end. Due to the United States government's new form of government overreach, I don't think it's overreach, but we're being sarcastic here. The FDA. <laughs> See, well, hold on a second now. <laughs> the real heroes of the story. I know, and it's it's so crazy because like the. We'll get into it. Anyway, um, it, see, industrialization had created products that were quickly made. Most people weren't making their own food anymore. Instead, they were relying on mass-produced things like canned goods and pre-made items that had a shelf life, which was longer than fresh food. The mechanized factories that produced these items could make uh, could make many of those in quick succession faster than any human hands could. This put sort of a, let's call it a factory-sized veil between consumers and the manufacturing of their goods. So as America is wont to do, they america companies began putting additives <laughs> in food, such as preservatives like formaldehyde, which preservatives aren't inherently bad. And formaldehyde actually wasn't inherently bad. It's kind of a dosage thing. Um, sure. It's a, these preservatives aren't really all that bad, but they are dangerous. They are kind of dangerous ones that can be harmful in large quantities. However, some food production companies were taking advantage of this new separation oh, no. between food right between food production and consumption. Some companies were just straight up selling food that hadn't been stored properly, like meat. Uh, some bulk made items like breads were found to contain tree flour, or in other words, sawdust. Uh, milk gradually began uh, began to contain shitloads of formaldehyde, feces, and sometimes worms. By the way, if it was just before this that it became normal to feed babies milk that wasn't from human tits. Oh my god, worms <laughs> and milk. Stop. So, so worms <laughs> and milk, what a nightmare. That was actually discovered because uh because uh I, 
Oh, hey, you got a People, well, no, on their People were like diluting their milk to sell it for, you know, to, to sell it for more so that they could make more of it. And this particular uh, farmer or milk producer had actually taken pond water and used that to cut its milk with. And the pond water had been infected with worms. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the pond. Yo, the yeah. pond the cows are in, yeah. right? Like they're pissing and shitting in that. And so it's like some it, sort of, it's like yeah. round worms. Like, when you say worms, yeah, they mean sure. like an intestinal worm. And milk worm is like the like perfect medium to grow in. Yeah. If you were a and small so, kid. Like, guys. <laughs> it immediately yeah. goes into a gut and it neutralizes acid on yeah. its way. So, guys. So, like, this is. And then there's a snake oil salesman down in South America that will sell that to you <laughs> to clean out your intestines. And we got a full circle type of operation going on here. What? Like, as long as you eat enough fucking spicy food on your way yeah, back, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, you should be okay, so, right? Guys, like, the, ghost peppers. The FDA it had to be created at some point, right? Like, with what I've just talked about, there was... Uh, yeah, I mean, bureaucracy solves well, everything. But there's also like we need some sort of like Oh, that'd be so scary if it was just always yeah. there. <laughs> well we needed some sort of standard by which to uh, <laughs> some standard by which to regulate how the production worked. Because if you're selling people sure, you know, totally. so that I'm not an FDA stand. Fuck the FDA now with all of its prescription pill like bullshit. But uh, oh, again, yeah. it was inevitable that something like this would have to happen with industrialization. Yeah, it dude, people well, that's, yeah, that's exactly. all of it corporate created with good intentions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Corporations need oversight, dude. That just by their very yeah. nature, like they're designed to require societal limitations. Otherwise, they'll just grow Honestly, and like they you know would what just I mean? go like, back to slavery if given a chance. If they could pay you nothing and make you work at a company town, they I, fucking would. Oh, I'm, I would they, not they be surprised. A lot of mm -hmm. Dude, I would not be surprised to find out there are actually more slaves today okay. than there have ever oh. been. Anyway. I, I've heard that oh, statistic what? Like, like, oh, what? a lot. Like, a lot, right? Like a, like a, it's like it's like trillion dollars of industry or yeah. A what year. were you saying, Joe? I can't quite hear you. Well, I I just heard that that's true. I've heard that that statistic is uh, that there's more slaves today than ever before. Like, ever, right? That I I don't know where it came from. Same here, but I it's that's, like that's the way they would word it yeah, to me. Listeners, it if you know anything true. about it, please reach out to us it and let is. us know because it again we all kind of feel like it's the sure. truth, but we're we're in the middle of recording, so. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to be shocked <laughs> sure. by that. I I don't know. I often. Yeah. I oftentimes will say that. Scary truth. Yeah. So again, the FDA was know. created to ensure whatever products were being sold for human consumption were safe for humans. We wanted people to know uh, to what was in the food that they were consuming, and the FDA was created to provide that service. Of course, we could discuss that. You know, if that's the case today, because I think there's val valid cri criticisms to be a trebucheted over into FDA land. Um, check out the Behind the Bastards episodes about the FDA listeners, uh, because we definitely needed them, but they are. There's a lot of criticisms to have for the FDA, and two things can exist at once, so it's important that we uh, we kind of take that into consideration as we go along. Anyway, so Big Brother decides to drop its long, overreaching governmental hand into Clark Stanley's snake oil liniment. 
<laughs> well, if the hand's covered in snake oil, wait a minute, it's going to slide real easy into the situation. There, Woo! He was feeling that. It was tickling in his tonsils. Oh, they should have pivoted. Him, I hope. What's that, Daisy? They should have pivoted and turned into a lube company, and then they would have been fine. <laughs> so their government Whoa. overreach had gotten a hold of Stanley's patented snake oil and tested it and quickly ran into a problem. His products were everything but snake oil. From NPR, quote, <laughs> Stanley's snake oil didn't contain any snake oil at all. The Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906 sought to clamp down on the sale of patented medicines, and it was that legislation that led to Stanley's undoing. After seizing a shipment of Stanley's snake oil in 1817, federal investigators found that it primarily contained mineral oil, a fatty oil believed to be beef fat, red pepper, and turpentine, end quote. Mineral oil. Wait, say, oh, was, what was the ingredients <laughs> So after seizing a ship, beef fat, so after pepper, it was mineral oil, a fatty oil believed to be beef fat, red pepper, and turpentine. Oh, oh, oh! That's what was that was the thing that yeah. was this that was in the bottle. Oh, yeah, I got gotcha. you yeah, exactly. Right. Um, right. Of course. Why the fuck just to ground up a bunch of snakes? Dude, it fucking <laughs> would. At that point, it would be so much easier. You just you could start a, a snake farm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well. Apparently not. People hate snakes. <laughs> yeah. To, become a snake exterminator so that you can have, you know, your snake oil liniment business on the fucking side. Like, I don't know. He's he's lazy and a liar and wants to whatever. Anyway. What a what an idiot. So, and, <laughs> and guys, this is this is 11 years after the FDA is created. So, they're pretty Oh, it took him a minute. Yeah, it took him a minute. It took him a minute. Took him a minute. Um, <laughs> they're like, huh, "We got to catch one of these." I'm imagining these like daring midnight deliveries of snake yeah. oil places. <laughs> like cuz they wouldn't goddamn dare bust into the the druggist's establishment and just buy a sample. No, no, no. They they've got to go after it like it's prohibition times, you know what I mean? Well, you <laughs> that's know, what I'm picking right. anyway. That, that, early times of so, the fda they must be like coming across it like 90 percent of the stuff just being like gasoline and yeah. poison and <laughs> what, stuff. What, okay what year was this uh 1906 the pure food and drug uh act was was put in and in 1917 he was finally uh they they got that shipment so um he was fine <laughs> i'm just imagining the fda like some like vigilante-esque uh, um, law enforcement. Mm -hmm. they, you know, like they show up in trench coats with guns and like fedoras. Well, like it's Dick Tracy or something. Yeah. You know? Well, and again, that's what they were supposed <laughs> to be. You know, at the start of it. And now they're just like helping fucking Pfizer not catch charges for poisoning West Virginia with opiates. Whatever. Um, Clark Stanley <laughs> was ultimately fined twenty dollars, which is about six hundred and sixteen dollars in today's money. Uh, for from NPR quote. Violating the food and the Food and Drug Act, and for misbranding his products by falsely and fraudulently representing it as a remedy for all pain, Stanley did not dispute the charges. End quote. He did not escute them. Uh, he did not dispute them. Sorry. Dispute. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like oh, escute. That's some stupid lawyer word. Yeah. Fucking thing. And as, <laughs> and as far as I could tell, after that, Clark Stanley disappeared into obscurity and public shame. It's assumed he's dead now. But who knows? <clears throat> Snake oil could have been the secret to longevity. And guys, that's the end of our first story. 
<laughs> Sam, your face. <laughs> You're so mad at that line. <laughs> I can't lie. It was disappointing. Yeah. Well, and me, that's kind of what I, 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 I was... I kind of like him. <laughs> well, he, I like him because I think lying is funny. I don't like that he probably hurt a bunch of people. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but like, like I feel like uh, back then, it's it's a lot of just trying shit too. Yeah, for sure. So like, the, I mean, how bad part of him that thought this was like the answer and like the like you know, the, the real key to everything. You know, I think, how... I think at, fir- at first he probably definitely felt that way, but it was later on when he started you know mixing mineral oil with beef fat yeah. that I think that he kind of gave that whole thing up. And turpentine. Yeah, and turpentine. You need the turpentine to get the, all that shit to go to together real yeah, good right. like you know yeah for sure oh uh, all right guys well that's going to be our our first story we're going to take a short little break uh potty break as it were listeners if you've heard anything that right. you like find us on facebook or don't like actually too find us on facebook shoot us a message let us know what you think um and when we get back from break we've got two more stories one about a bank robber so oh okay dun, dun, dun. <laughs> And we're back. Hey, guys. There can't actually be a $200 water gun in the world. I just... Oh, are we back? Sorry. We're, we're back. <laughs> Summer's coming. And uh, this is not sponsored by any $200 water guns. No. Don't Google that shit. Don't buy that shit. This is an anti-advertisement. Oh, dude, I'm trying to get that. I totally sponsored this shit. Man, I don't I... want to spend $200 or... on it. I've been like, looking at it for months now. Electric high-pressure large capacity water gun four colors, guys. Send us free shit and we'll advertise for you on yeah, right? our podcast. I was, I was listening to... Send us shit. Send us shit. Sam, I was thinking about the other day how we used to do fake commercials. And I, like yes. once we're <laughs> yes. once we start doing real commercials again, I don't. We're gonna yeah. It it's gonna be a kind of a mess. Anyway, we are back. Hi, listeners. Thanks for uh, listening to our meandering conversations about fake commercials, real commercials, and uh, two hundred dollar water guns. I guess I kind of came yeah. in at the end of that conversation. Anyway, yeah. Well, <laughs> nothing. Just animal husbandry and water guns. I see. So, Sam, Daisy, how do you guys feel about bank robbers? Uh, I'm all for them. All right. I know, right? <laughs> that shit's uh, it's protected. Your money's your money's uh insured by our taxes. I'd rather have our taxes go to bank robbers who have the balls to walk in there and put their lives on the line. Uh, maybe not the guys that like just go and murder people. Like, well, and and, but... es- and especially when you contrast that with like banks actually being people who steal money from other people, like. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm ambiguous. I mean, they shouldn't, shouldn't be that. Your but... money, and I feel like you should be able to walk in and take it. And like, if you get away with it, fine. Then yeah, they they can't go after you. Interesting. Uh, what do you guys <laughs> do? You guys have any thoughts before we go on? Do you guys have any thoughts about uh, bank robbers that don't do it for the money? Uh, like they do it to make I, a I statement. Like bank... I'm not going to elaborate. You're not gonna elaborate, you know. No, like I'm just explain, asking. Just... I'm just asking what you guys think about bank robbers that don't do it for the money. <laughs> I, I mean, what are they robbing a bank? I'm gonna stand by my statement. These guys are kind of terrorists, but it's pretty localized. So it's also a little uh, funny sometimes when there's not a shootout. I think, 
you know, if nobody's injured. Or a gun yeah. involved. Yeah. I knew a guy that robbed a bank with a note, no weapon, <laughs> but the note was threatening. Oh, so really? he got like, oh, he, and really? it, it threatened with a weapon. <laughs> wow. And then he took a taxi cab from the bank robbery. No lie. Took a taxi cab from the bank robbery. In the early uh, afternoon. Uh, exactly. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. I swear to God, it was in the early afternoon on Friday, September second, two thousand sixteen. Lawrence John Ripple, seventy years old, had been arguing with his wife in Kansas Wait, City. Wait a second. The fight must have gotten pretty bad. I, I've heard this. Okay, the fight must have gotten pretty bad as it was clear he had made up his mind in that moment. He pulled out a piece of paper and a writing utensil and, in full view of his wife, wrote something down. He stuffed the note in his pocket and made his way out, saying as he left he'd, quote, rather be in jail than at home, end quote. So, there's a little bit of tension in the house. <laughs> oh, this poor hand-packed fella. At 2.20 in the afternoon, it had been a lovely sunny day at the Bank of Labor on Brother, uh, or the Bank of Labor or Brotherhood Bank and Trust at uh, 756 Minnesota Avenue. Um, and they used both of those names in these articles, so I think they're interchangeable. Anyway, um, the Bank of Labor was located just a block away from Kansas City Police Headquarters. The day had been going fairly normally when, two minutes later, at 2.22 p.m., an elderly man stepped up to the counter and slid a note across the counter. The teller picked up the note, looked at it, and it read simply, I have a gun. Give me money. Following protocol, the teller went and gathered some cash and put it in a bag. Returning to the counter, she passed Ripple the bag. He turned around, walked away from the counter, crossed the lobby, and took a seat and sat quietly. A short while later, a security guard at the bank approached him. A discussion ensued, and Ripple was reported as having told the guard, quote, I'm the guy you're looking for, end quote. So... <laughs> Uh, this is breaking my heart, dude. <laughs> like, oh, buddy, how terrible is your relationship? Yeah, this is your like go-to. Like, yeah. the guard. Oh, then, like the guard then took the money from Ripple and notified police, who arrived a short time after, because again, the police station headquarters was a block away. After their arrival, police took. <laughs> After their arrival, police took Ripple into custody without incident, while escorting they Ripple... casually strolled back to the police station. Yeah, yeah. They put him on a Segway. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't. I'm just adding that, because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> while escorting Ripple to the police station, he admitted to the police that he had, quote, committed the robbery, end quote, according to the official affidavit. Although there was clear security footage, so the admission of guilt wasn't really necessary. Um, when they searched Ripple's person, he didn't have a gun, but he was found to be, be in possession of nail clippers and a hairbrush. <laughs> Sam, you just wiggled your arms. <laughs> because those are two things that have gotten fucking other people shot. That's very true. <laughs> very true. Uh, from the actual... And what a typical grandpa would have in his pockets when he got arrested. <laughs> like... that, that's immediately what I thought, too. I was like, it, of course he's got to take his nail clippers and hairbrush. Because and he's a seven... handkerchief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had his suspenders pulled up to his chin. Um, from the actual <laughs> from the actual affidavit, quote, During the post-Miranda interview, uh, Ripple relayed that he and his wife had been in an argument at home and Ripple no longer wanted to be in the situation. Ripple wrote out, Ripple wrote out his demand note in front of his wife, Remedios Ripple, and told her he'd rather be in jail than at home. Ripple then walked to the bank and robbed it, end quote. The bank 
had reported to have lost $2,924, of which $2,924 was recovered from Ripple. I only include that part because the fucking affidavit, the official affidavit made that shit an entire paragraph long. I turned it into a fucking <laughs> sentence. Well, that just is. <laughs> <In Jan> <laughs> oh. Gotta use all this stupid extra words. I swear to God, sometimes, dude, lawyers, yeah. they're not smarter than us. They're not. <laughs> yeah. They're not. They just write they words. They invented their like... whole, uh, whole language to prove that they're not smarter than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, here's what I'm trying to say. They're like, how about this? And you're like, no, dude, that's. No, dude, you, got <laughs> all you... The, you got all the money that the bank English lost. wasn't a real course. Yeah. Fuck off, dude. It's important. <laughs> in January of 2017, uh, Ripple was arraigned and brought before a federal judge where he, uh, advised by his public defender, Chikasha Ramsey, pled guilty. At this point, Ripple was looking at up to 37 months in prison, which is just a little over three years. Um, a few months later, Lawrence John Ripple made another appearance before the courts. In an effort to grant uh, a lenient sentence, Ripple and Ramsey outlined some possible ex explanations for the incident. Ripple had recently undergone heart surgery, which had left him in a depressed state. The heart surgery and what, what year is this? Sorry, uh, this is 2016. Actually, 2017 okay. now. Um, oh man, Ripple and Ramsey right. outlined some possible explanations for the incident. Ripple had recently undergone heart surgery, which left him feeling, uh, which had left him in a depressed state. The heart surgery and subsequent depression made him feel, quote, unlike himself when he committed the crime, end quote. So this is. It would be really funny if he like committed this like February, March of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, all right, I'm going to go to jail where it's going to be peaceful. And then like some shit goes down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, him and his, his lawyer asserted that the robbery was a quote, cry for help end quote. And since the incident, Ripple had obtained a proper diagnosis as well as a prescription for medication. Maybe it was the cool down time after the incident, or maybe it was the whole having, you know, medical care or maybe a combination of both, whatever it was, Ramsey and Ripple asserted that Ripple was doing much better and that he, quote, feels like his normal self again, end quote. In, All right. <laughs> in the courthouse, both the public defender, Ramsey, and prosecutor asked Judge Carlos Murguia, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, of the United States District Court for leniency, citing Ripple's likelihood to reoffend. <laughs> Do you think they're going to hear was, you? <laughs> was practically zero. Well, no, just because there's, I don't know, whatever. Some people listening might have, have a problem with mispronunciations, and I'm trying here. Um, That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so... Uh, it just felt like a very personal apology. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> U.S. District Court uh, Judge. Anyway, Put in a formal apology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put it in a letter. Um, so they, they were kind of citing I'll get the, I'll get their email for you no 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 it's fine Sam uh, <laughs> I'm already googled it okay again they, they were their case was basically Ripple's likelihood to reoffend was practically zero his health issues his lack of prior criminality and his remorse were all indications uh, that the incident on September 7th was a behavioral aberration uh, this is this remorse my dude didn't even leave the bank like yeah. <laughs> like when that shit happens you have to just be like okay like we're arresting you as a formality exactly yeah and we, somebody we... gave him a fist bump in the like <laughs> when he was getting arrested the cop did it right like, like, like we got you yeah. dude right we got you we got you bud 
We're gonna take good like, care. We of gotta you. do this, but like I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, from the Kansas City Star. Fuck quote, that bitch. <laughs> from the Kansas. <laughs> From the Kansas City Star here, quote, Mr. Ripple understands what he did and respects the law as indicated by his past behavior, said Ramsey, who told the judge that Ripple had also been attending mandated counseling sessions with his wife, end quote. On the day of sentencing, Ripple's wife and several family members were in the courthouse when he, quote, appeared remorseful and apologized to both Bank of Labor and the bank teller, end quote. It was not my intention. Uh, th this is actually continuing the quote. It was not my intention to frighten her, the teller, as I did, Ripple said in court on Tuesday. On that Tuesday, June 13th, 2017, Lawrence John Ripple was found guilty of robbing a bank in order to get away from his wife. Despite knowing that Ripple said that he'd, quote, rather be at home, rather, rather be in jail than at home, the judge sentenced Ripple to house arrest. The worst thing ever for this dude. In total, he was sentenced to 60 days home confinement. 50 hours of community service, uh, and 50 hours of community a service. A lifetime! The, fe <laughs> the federal judge also ordered he pay the bank $227.27, quote, ah. the amount representing the billable hours for bank employees who were sent home on the day of the robbery, and $100 to a victim's, uh, a crime victim's fund, end quote. And guys... That is the light, like the most lenient <laughs> shit ever. Okay, I don't hate this. I don't hate this at all. Okay. And surprisingly, for for one of our episodes, no I, I would have loved to have seen how um how like much they would have loved him in prison, but everybody yeah. would have given a little bit of like, all right, get in here, old man. Like, yeah, for sure. Like this, this guy is pretty cool. Um, and guys. I, <laughs> That story would go around what, real what, quick. What was this guy's name? What's his name? Lawrence John Ripple. Um, and I've dug, done a little digging to try and f discover kind of what he's up to now, guys. And I'm happy report to report that there's nothing to report. It seems Mr. Ripple has gone back to his quiet <laughs> life at home, and all is well that more or less ends well. I don't know. He seems to be or doing Or he's fun. getting away with it. He's just robbing more and more banks, sitting on the, the in the lobby. He, he knows the ins and outs now. Yeah, yeah, that's what it actually was. He's a he's one of the he's like the uh, what what do you call it the recon guy for a bank heist. He's like, all right, I, I went in and did the thing. I served my time. And then he goes back to the 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 mastermind or whatever of the crime, and he's like. Yeah, it took him like three minutes to even realize I was still sitting there. <laughs> I don't want to say this guy looks like helpless as helpless could be because I've seen Mountain Andy. Okay. If you know who I'm fucking talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this guy looks pretty goddamn helpless. <laughs> He's yeah, like, he looks like a normal dude, right? He's like this normal old guy. Like, uh, Right. I would have loved to have them. heard the argument. Dude, me too. I just like I wonder what they were arguing <laughs> about, like if it was about Your dishes honor. or or like you oh, take out the trash that, this morning. That... Yeah, that started everything, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, um I just like like him breaking down in court, just being like, Your honor, but she is a bitch. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that's our well, hold on, hold on. This is this is her. Oh yeah, yeah. And they look happy in that photo. So like, I don't, I don't know. Um. Anyway, guys. Immediately after she started hitting him. <laughs> that was our second story. And I, I think instead of going to break, you guys, we're just gonna jump into our third story. 
Ooh. And okay, as, right into it. Yeah, right into it. And as has been kind right of the uh, kind of the milieu for these these uh, stories, guys, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before we jump into the story. So, what do you guys think about parking enforcement? Meter man. Oh, <laughs> uh, I I mean, there's that Beatles song. That that's how you feel. You feel like a Beatles Honestly, song? Honestly, anytime somebody says Meter Maid, hey, I just think of the Beatles song. Okay. Uh, lovely Rita, Meta Maid. Yeah, but uh, n- neither here nor there about it. Otherwise, I, I those guys go fuck themselves. One at a time, guys. Aren't one at a time. Go ahead, Joe. I can't think of one redeeming thing for him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam, did you have a thought before we jump back in? I said fuck those guys. Okay, cool. I mean, I understand that, like, you need somebody to like tow a car every once in a while, but uh, because it's like blocking my driveway or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I but, think uh, I would call a tow truck company for that. I don't, I, you know what I mean? We like, don't need I police don't need for help. that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to think of what they do. And the only thing I could think of what they do is monitor those meters, and those meters are just like a random. You can't park for like too long in town type yeah. thing. Keep it fair for everybody, yeah, right? Yeah. And we're going to you know, so like we're going to get into that right now. Guys, Ooh. in the late 1900s, which should all make all of us feel old who, because we were born in the late 1900s. Uh cars, <laughs> cars had become so prevalent that cities were having to make plans to alleviate the scourge that accompanied them, traffic. In all their glory, the issue of traffic is multifactorial, and one of those factors, parking We'll be making a cameo in this episode. See, vehicles just couldn't be left in the roadways now that there was a shitload of them. And if a business was to succeed, they needed a place to accommodate these newfangled carriages. So, you know, a middle ground had to be found. Parking issues have been the bane of many O-drivers. In Alaska, a place that we continental Americans don't typically think of as having traffic problems, they were running into issues around parking. In order to alleviate that, the Anchorage Parking Authority was created on February 28th. 1984. Now, if we were conspiracy theorists, this is where we would begin to make a 1984 Big Brother joke. Wait, what? Say the date again? This was February 28th, 1984. And again, huh. if we were con- like conspiracy theory-minded about this, uh, we would kind of start making a joke about 1984, Big Brother. Uh, you know, we joke about how the APA would continue on and how that's just the beginning of the coercion, manipulation, and control. We discuss how out-of-hand parking enforcement is and speculate about the authoritarian state uh, into which parking enforcement would inevitably grow. We'd follow that up by making by talking about the mark of the beast and RFID chips and how to bring down the establishment <laughs> and all that. But whatever, guys. We're not hacks. We're not going to make jokes about that stuff. And we're also not going to make jokes about... Hey! Uh, you know, a, a, a parking authority sounds like it, you know, kind of could be a decent idea to, you know, to be put in place to solve a logical issue that might occur with a hyperabundance of both uh, vehicles and people. So, no, guys, we're not going to make any jokes about this, and we're going to move on. So, parking authorities wouldn't be necessary if uh, people weren't allowed to have cars. That's true. We should ban cars. Think about that. Yeah, ban, ban cars. cars. <laughs> personal, personal automobiles. Should be illegal. (laughs) That's a strong stance, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) So after its creation in 1984, enter triangle hand above the eye imagery here. The APA quickly developed a reputation for being extremely aggressive, something we'll get into more a bit later. 
In order for us to tell our story properly, however, we need extremely aggressive. We need to introduce our hero, heroine, heroine, heron, our our protagonist, heroine, heroine, dude, um, heroine. In nineteen, because English is weird. It is weird. Heroin and heroin are the same things, I guess. In 19, 1959, Carolyn Pasillo. I still don't know if we're talking about the hero or the drug that's going to like help out everyone like deal with all this shit. We're talking about the hero. This is actually <laughs> so funny. You should mention that date. That's the start of the heroin epidemic. No, <laughs> that would dude, that would be. Oh my god. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. <laughs> In 1959, wait, what's happening? Uh, everything's everything's getting hacked. Uh. 1959, Carolyn Pasillo, aka Lenny, was born in California. Fifteen years later, in 1974, she moved with her family to Homer, Alaska. And a few years later, in 77, she would graduate from Homer High School. She continued to live and work in Homer until 1988, when she moved uh, to Anchorage to manage her family's gas station, which would later become quote. Anchorage's last independent gas station, end quote. Now, Lenny, <laughs> Sam, you're like, where the fuck are we going? <laughs> now, Lenny's family gas station was a bit eccentric. Uh, the bright pink sign for Courtney's Tudor Service, which is what it was called, uh, was probably one of the first indications of its unusual nature. Near Tudor Road and Lake Otis uh, Boulevard, on what w uh, was once known as Gasoline Alley, the, what I assume is a pink, gas station hosted a variety of unusual events full of, quote, idiosyncratic charm, end quote. One could say it was a gas station with personality. Ooh. Ouch. Anchorage Daily News. <laughs> <laughs> Anchorage Daily News wrote about the gas station. "Quote: The full-service Courtney's was a reflection of its fast-talking, opinionated, colorful manager. Other stations don't fill uh, fill service wells with sand for beach promotions with grass-skirted Pasillos, the Pasillo sisters, uh, pumping gas. They don't run Halloween contests for the most grotesquely rotten pumpkins." They didn't have signs featuring political commentary, giveaway gas proving that they didn't price gouge, or close to prote protest disparities in oil and gas prices. Carolyn's did all of that, end quote. So these guys are weird. They have like, they kind of run like a, like how a radio show would run, you know, where it's like the pumpkin head contests and Halloween and like, you know, they do all these kind of mm. gimmicky themed stuff to get people to come, come to their gas station. So it's. It's, it's well, I mean, out there it seems like the like a gas station uh, would be a more of a central place for like the people on the outskirts of town and uh, like everyone what? coming in there all the time. Like, what year is this? Uh, we're in '88. We're gonna do a little bit of like moving back okay. and forth, but yeah, right now we're in '88. And and yeah, to your point, Joe, like I think gas stations and the whole idea of like cruising around was a lot more of a thing when gas prices were lower you know uh, I, it's something that i think of a, yeah, yeah. in relation to like the 50s 60s and 70s maybe even the 80s is like going to the gas station pumping up your car muscle cars and you know going out to lovers point or whatever that kind of shit you know so it's kind of got that same milieu to me um so just to recap guys Carolyn Linny Pasillo, our main character, is working at her family's gas station that does weird shit like sand beach promotions, holds rotted pumpkin contests, hangs political signs, gives away gas and protests uh, like oil things by closing down their station. So it's a very unique kind of gas station. These people are pretty eccentric and pretty unusual. They're unusual characters. And so as we've seen, you know, there's some eccentricities here, and it could be argued, and I think most people would, that Lenny and her sister Susan were the type of people that don't mind causing a scene and getting everybody's attention. 
In my in my opinion, it seems to be the focus of their marketing. As I said, Anchorage Daily News uh, originally wrote about Lenny and Susan Pasillo in 1994. So we're doing a little bit of a time jump here, Sam. Um, while interviewing okay. while interviewing Lenny, they got this little story from their article. Quote. Generally speaking, it is not a good idea to make the Paseo sisters mad. They believe in revenge and have an ab- <gasps> and have an abnormal tolerance for embarrassing themselves in public. Nothing is too tacky if done for a good cause, especially for Lenny. <laughs> especially, These bitches will say shit to you. Especially, especially for Lenny, especially if she can con her sister Susan into playing along, end quote. <laughs> so, so, yeah... The, I'm just gonna go to the next quote because it, it. Where where was that published? Uh, this is the let me look the Anchorage Daily News in a, in about 1994 95. Um, and this is continuing that quote just from. Like yeah, like one's bad, but that bitch of a sister's even worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> here's a here's a quote, and this is Liddy speaking, by the way. Quote: She's still mad at me for having to dress up in a bikini and pump gas in the middle of the winter for our winter beach party. Liddy said. Uh, so. Again, Lenny's kind of like the... She seems to be kind of like the ringleader. I'm sure her parents were also fucking eccentric, to use it, you know, to be polite. Um, but we're kind of peering behind the curtain here and kind of seeing some indications about who these two women are and how their, like, internal faculties operate. Um, <laughs> in the late... <laughs> In the late 80s, Lenny's sister had been frequenting the downtown area and, uh, uh, as time went on, getting more and more irritated with, quote, overzealous parking enforcement. The Anchorage Parking Authority's notoriety began to grow, and over the years, many people were getting irritated with the APA's aggressive ticketing tactics. It became more irritating when they began to ticket offenses that weren't parking-related things like, quote, studded tires out of season and cracked windshields, end quote, and things that were very clearly not illegal. So, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> see, we need bureaucracy to fix the problems. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe we just need a corporation to come in, you know, and balance the scale. We should privatize yeah, yeah. this. <laughs> At Liddy's gas station. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Continue, At- please. <laughs> At Lenny's gas station, her and Susan set up a contest. Whoever had the shittiest APA story would win $75 in gas. And guys, this is the late 80s, uh, kind of early 90s. And so gas is fucking cheap. And as such, this is a shitload of gas. I did the math. And if we were to take $75 in the early 1990s and adjust it for today's money, it's roughly $150 to $8, rather, $180. So it's not an insignificant amount. I have the prices of gas for... Anchorage, Alaska, from 1984 uh-huh. to 2010. What month do you want? Um, well, we are... Let's go with 1990. What month? Uh, this has to be in March, I would say. So let's go with March. And it's $75 in gas. I'm going with it 75 is, cents. It is, <laughs> it, it's 93 cents a gallon. Oh my fucking god! So, so that's uh, whatever. Yeah, it's like it's it's almost a hundred gallons, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like one hundred and fifty <laughs> to one hundred and eighty dollars today. So, yeah, it's not an insignificant amount of gas. Um, 
There was one entry, uh, rather, one entry was a story where a woman had been cited for parking in a second handicapped spot on, in a single day, despite the fact that the vehicle was properly tagged to do so. She had originally parked in a handicapped spot, and during an intermission from the spelling bee she was attending, she was obligated to move her car. She parked in another handicapped spot around the corner where, quote, she was told it was illegal to park twice in the same block in the same day, end quote. The officer wrote her a ticket. <laughs> you were out once today. You have to go home now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Go home now. There's nothing for you here. <laughs> another person another person was cited for parking 10 inches away from a curb. He had popped inside, quote, to pay my sap-sucking lawyer, end quote. Upon returning to his vehicle, he was... <laughs> I only included that because I thought that was like a really funny line <laughs> and like what was that guy doing with his life that he, he was so pissed off at a lawyer you know anyway whatever <laughs> upon returning to his vehicle he was surprised to see he had gotten a $2,000 parking ticket for parking 10 inches away this was all despite the fact that Anchorage law provides up to 18 inches of space between the tire and curb with many oh. many many a aggressive two- thousand dollar <laughs> ticket what? yo like i thought it you was bad in albany that cost more than a car yeah dude albany used to have this huge issue not with like with parking enforcement too but mostly with like tow trucks right yeah like yeah. you would try and like pull up somewhere real quick to like run into your friend's house and like immediately like a tow truck would like swoop in and just Jesus. tow your fucking double parked car or like you're in the church parking lot that nobody is using you've been there for fucking three minutes and your car is like getting towed backwards yeah. out of the fucking like wait, motherfucker well, you gotta call around it's like 400 bucks to get your yeah. car back and from what i know a lot of those uh <laughs> east coast like, two thousand dollars and a lot of those east coast bigger cities uh the tow trucks actually work on kind of a predatory uh uh, what's the word for it? Kind of predatory yeah. behavior, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, kind of makes sense. Anyway, um, with many, many, many aggressive interactions already coloring Linny and Anchorage's perspective, Linny was already furious when she became the next victim of the parking police. Sometime in 1994, Linny had become the proud owner of a quote big, shiny, double king cab, cab super deluxe red pickup. End quote. Those are her words, by the way. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, 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 she got, got me on truck. Chuck up, Chuck. Um to the uh the person who had owned the truck <laughs> the person who had owned the truck previously had put the registration re- renewal sticker in the wrong spot. The sticker was still on the plate. However, if it like if it if it was supposed to be on the right side of the plate, it was on the left side or vice versa or something like that. Um, because it, it it was technically illegal, but there, it wasn't really wasn't really a big deal, you know what I mean? And in July of that year, Lenny became the proud owner of a seventy five dollar ticket um, given by the APA because of the you know the sticker thing we just talked about. Her paperwork was up to date, so Lenny presented the evidence to an appeal officer who reduced who reduced her fine to twenty five dollars. However, Lenny wasn't having any of that fucking bullshit. She's noted uh, as saying, quote, Not today, Satan! She's noted as saying, quote, So I'm mad now, and I got a big mouth, end quote. Uh, so, <laughs> you guys you guys kind of see what we're building? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> what is it? What's her name? 
her, <laughs> her name. You're gonna is, marry this lady. Her huh? name is Lenny Pasiot. Um, so now pissed off, <laughs> Lenny, Lenny and Susan set up a milk jug near the register at their gas station. The milk jug was to collect change that the sisters would would use to renew parking uh, expired parking meters as a form of fuck you to the APA. Shortly after setting it up, they had around $87. The gas station provided enough to round that number up to $100, and Lenny and Susan's, Susan's funding was officially set for their mission. Real quick, guys, before we move on, just so we can all catch up, I fucking love that Lenny's got a $25 ticket. Something that's so, like, <laughs> menial, you know? And she's so fucking mad, so fucking petty, that she $25 is... in 1988, dude. I know. But but still, she. I mean, the gas they gave away that seventy five dollars worth of gas. It's like today that would literally be like three hundred and three hundred and fourteen dollars yeah, yeah. worth of gas today in Anchorage. Yeah, right. Like, and so so again, she's she's so fucking petty and so fucking mad. And we're gonna see in a few minutes that she raises hundreds of dollars to fight back. It's a level of pettiness that I find amazing and well justified, even if it is like a little, you know, a little off the beaten path, so to speak. Yeah, like don't waste yeah, your time. You could be making money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Joe, if you love her right now, you're about to love her even fucking more. <laughs> First, they needed to get into uniform, and being that they're Pasillos, they decided to wear something inconspicuous. You know, and by conspicuous, I'm lying to you guys, and obviously mean that they were gonna wear the most attention-grabbing thing possible, putting on quote tights, tutus, and wings, end quote. The Anchorage parking ferries were born. In what would become regular <laughs> visits, <laughs> in what would become regular visits to various areas of Anchorage, the Anchorage parking ferries would land in an area and simply put nickels into expired parking meters. They would patrol the areas all day and repeat this process until they ran out of money, only to turn up in a different part of town asking for uh, after more fundraising. And as it's obvious that they would, they eventually were greeted with hostility from the public, who love paying extra monies uh, for being fined to live in a life that they can already, already barely afford. And again, that's another lie, guys. So, you know, keep up. The truth is hard to find. Jokes aside, <laughs> a quote from the Anchorage Daily News, quote, public reaction to the appearance of the parking ferries Monday was what one might expect. Thank you, yelled a, Vol a Volkswagen owner whose meter showed a red flag before Susan stuck some nickels in it. God loves you. What's the occasion, said Gil Springer from New Orleans. The parking authority has pissed me off, said Lenny, subsidizing his, subsidizing his Alaska experience with a couple of nickels. They'll do that, won't they, nodded Springer. I fucking love this interaction because it sounds like he doesn't know how to... Like, sounds like he's like mildly intimidated, you know what I mean? And I love it, you know? he's He's got no idea how to react to a very angry brown lady doing extremely kind things. And it probably throws him off, and he's probably just... He provides the most milk toast. Dare we answer. say aggressively kind things. Yeah, exactly. And he his well, answer is... It, it, it's like chaotically good. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just love that his, his, uh, his answer is kind of like a Hank Hill's like, yup, just really awkwardly, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They've pissed me off. He's mm-hmm yep <laughs> anyway contrary to the lie i told you people responded well to it i'm sure some proportion of those that benefited and those that witnessed it had no idea it was an act of revenge against the apa who believed like a who behaved like a capybara near predators and so much as they barely acknowledged anything was happening around them and this was to their own detriment the apa basically just sat on their hands this whole time even if they the apa 
even if they had thought to aggressively defend their air quotes right to issue illegal parking citations to illegally extract money from their citizens, there's nothing the APA could do anyway. One cannot ticket people whose meters are still active, and there wasn't a rule forbidding people, like people who weren't the person parking, from paying those meters. It's not exactly malicious compliance, but there's some vein of rebellion that the Paseos are using here, and I struggle to find to, to find the name it falls under. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> see, listeners can't see this, but Sam's doing a little heart with his hands in, in the, little, the yeah, video chat. That is. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. So the security guards uh, who are... <laughs> so ridiculous. The security guards who were contracted to write parking tickets were run by a company named Burns. The security guards slash parking officials seem to be entertained by the strange and curious sight. Wait a the second, these carries. aren't even public employees. No, they're not. <laughs> oh my god. This is the worst oh, shit ever. That's... Oh, privatized parking Nazis. Fuck, dude. Of course, uh, this was horrible. I feel like Those I just wouldn't, wouldn't say that they have any authority over me. <laughs> I feel like that. I feel that? like you could I'm say like... that. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't recognize this shit. Yeah, they'd have to have a contract with the city or something. But <laughs> but then anyway. they take your car, man. That's yeah, that's true. So yeah. Um, again, like the security officers didn't really respond to these two. They just kind of seemed more like curious and like bewildered by the the the, the parking fairies. One day, during one interaction, uh, Linny, being that she's, quote, got a big mouth, uh, laughed at the guards and told them to get out of the rain. There simply would be no parking vi violations available for them to cite that day. <laughs> so she's, she's just walking past these guys and she's like, hey, guys, go home. I got I got it handled down here. <laughs> um, we're making we're making laps. Yeah. Uh, another. Uh, another. In interaction at the parking lot outside the post office mall brought them into contact with Dave Harbor, the chief parking enforcer. So he's like their main dude, guys. Um, and he was the main dude hired by Burns to make sure that all the security guards are securing <laughs> and guarding and stuff like that. Securing. Um Anyway, Harbor seems to, he seemed amused and wasn't really worried about the parking ferries, saying to the Anchorage Daily News, quote, I think it's delightful and a good promotion for your gas station, end quote. <laughs> He donated. Oh, he don that's a week. It's like good, good for you. Yeah, for sure. He fucking pay that shit. He that's why we put the meters there. Get paid. He donated a few quarters and quote presented the sisters with a rose each, purloined from the Saturday Market Garden, and a souvenir mug. End quote. Which is really weird, but I don't know. It's neither here nor there. I just thought it was a really weird thing because of what's about to happen. This guy is. Gotcha this guy things. is far too casually interacting with these two. Um, so, so again, their interactions are all pretty normal and oddly welcoming for what happens next. And, you know, I'd feel bad for David Harbour, but ACAB and all that shit. In 1993... <laughs> the... <laughs> What's gonna happen? <laughs> oh! <laughs> In 1993, the APA had taken in about $2 million in parking tickets alone, according to Harbor and the two, uh, according to Harbor, and the two parking ferries weren't going to be injurious to that revenue, as their ferry... Wait, what year? 1993. They, <laughs> the APA had taken about $2 million, and they really weren't worried about um, the parking ferries because, like, their ferry fund was limited and based upon donations. Simply put... Lenny and Susan couldn't save everyone because they couldn't afford to, and they couldn't be everywhere at once. So, again, really nobody thought much about it. 
Shortly after that, Lenny Cole. Well, that made them get more aggressive with it. Yeah, they should have been. Uh, shortly after, <laughs> shortly after that, Lenny quote bought and refurbished a 1990s, uh, 1973 Cushman, a three-wheeled vehicle pre- previously used for meter maid patrols. Thus, the newly Courtney Pink Cushman became the Ferrymobile, an advantage over <laughs> APA's foot patrols. What we did, said Lenny in a 1997 ADN interview, was we went downtown and we weren't allowed to leave until the money was gone. End quote. And Sam, go ahead and look up the Ferrymobile from Anchorage. Did, yeah, I dude, see. I got it. I it, seen it. It is. It's great. It's so. You're now on a list. What's that? You're on a list now for typing that in your call. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and listeners, you can find the uh, the photos of the um, of the ferry mobile in, in the show notes. Um, the 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 image that I had Sam look up, and I'm not sure if you're seeing this one, Sam, because I actually have a link. I'm just using two computers, so it's hard to swap them over. Anyway, um, you guys can find these photos linked in the show notes. Uh, this one will be linked under under number five, and it's just basically Linny standing in front of her three wheeled um uh what do they call it the the ferry mobile. Um, I'm going. Uh, oh man, we used to have like a derogatory name for these things. I forget what it was. Yeah. And but it was basically like uh, shit talking the uh, parking guy, yeah, the please. meter lady, the meter person, yeah. Um, and there's can't another, remember though. There's another photo that I'm going to put in the show notes that unfortunately I can't share with you guys here in the podcast. Um, but it the video shows sponsorships from a uh, from a J and M espresso pastels, the Ivory Broker, and Darwin's Theory. On the left side of the photo, you can see the top of their parking fairies emblem and a sticker uh, showing up over the pink trash can. This image, the the image of the sponsorship listeners is link 16 in the show notes. Um, But again, basically, they're kind of just allowed to do their own thing, right? And as they weren't really making an impact on anything except the normal person trying to not randomly owe two grand for a bullshit charge. And to those who who may have it have concern, like the chief parking police enforcer Dave Harbor, it really wasn't much more than advertising for their very unique gas station. After all, rotting pumpkin contests, forcing siblings into what I assume are little kiddie pools filled with sand uh, to pump gas, uh, like this gas station just does weird shit like this, and it never really is an issue. So nobody did or thought anything about it. On the streets, as the ferries uh, would. On the streets as the ferries would monitor the meters, pedestrians would give them change, drivers would stop their cars in the middle of the road and add some cash to the jar, quote, people from the offices would drop donations from windows, was also a thing that I saw, and I couldn't help but think about, like, coins falling from a second-story window, but I'm not sure if it's that or paper money. Just for the sake of comedy, I assume they're just raining change on them, but whatever. (laughs) Make it hail! Yeah. (laughs) At this point... Dave Harvard had just been entertained by the whole thing. The Paseo sisters were always, you know, doing publicity stunts. And this is just another one. There's no way his absolute lack of concern towards two eccentric sisters who owned a gas station and had a very public determination to extinguish one of the revenue streams of his company paid him to uphold and protect. There's no way that this would come around to bite him in the ass, guys. However, as the fiscal year of 1994 came to a close, Harbor began to feel a little bit of heat. The APA had collected $100,000 less in 1994 than it had in 1993. Now, this may not... Wait, $100,000 out of two fucking million? Yeah. Which is like the equivalent of like something like $4.1 million today. And 
the population of Anchorage was only 245,000 people. That's like $8 a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, think about that shit. Yeah. And so the APA had, had, they had essentially lost $100,000 from the fiscal year 94 to, to or 93 to 94. Um, 50 cents a person. That's yeah. what he's pissed off about. And now, this may not have all been because of the parking ferries, but it's safe to say they're, contribu- they're contributing a non-zero number to that total, right? It may be a large majority of it. It may be a lesser proportion. I can't say, but it does seem that they had a significant impact, though. We talked about the guy getting fined for, like, $2,000 for parking 10 inches away from the curb. Yeah. So, uh, again, it seems like these women are making kind of an impact. And by 19... 19- I-, I feel like something like that would also, like... Um, like- fire other people up in the community to he- see a like expired one and throw a coin in like yeah yeah just well, to help and, out the cause and people be bit. more like more conscious about it you know what i mean like yeah. they're thinking yeah. about it more often so you're not like thoughtlessly parking you're like fuck man i'm like on the curb you know what i mean yeah. like nobody's doing that to me the new ones now with the credit card that that's not going to happen as much like like that would not happen at all if it was all those credit card based ones yeah for sure that's probably why they're putting the credit cards in there because they're like dude we don't need any more fucking parking ferries by 1995 yeah, people, people should people shouldn't need to ha- have to drive into a city anyway yeah like like the, yeah this completely eliminates the discussion about like transit the, the, and like like train yeah, yeah. travel and yeah the idea yeah the, the idea that you, like we are allowing the congregation of that many combustion engines in one place and not trying to like circumvent it with with uh public transportation like parking lots around cities that'd be interesting i mean yeah i don't know why you should just be able to catch a tube into the city and then take a fucking very affordable electric vehicle inside the city where you need to go but sam maybe you have you heard? You don't have you heard about these fifteen-minute cities? They're a conspiracy to keep everybody locked in their cities. That's a real. <laughs> uh, that's a real conspiracy going on right now, where people are like, 15 minute cities. What does that mean?" It means like basically to us, it's like, well, you can walk fifteen minutes to the grocery store. You can walk fifteen minutes to like this, that. You could walk fifteen minutes to the bus station. You know, like they want fifteen-minute sure. cities because sure. it, it does a lot of what you're saying, Sam. It eliminates this kind sure. of yeah. Anyway, right? Um, yeah, because if you're gonna have fucking 10 billion people on the planet, I'll tell you what, man, you're going to have to collect them into tight groups so you can collect their waste or, or, in or, one place and deal in, like, power in one place. Or even think about because, just, like, traffic flow. Well, like, these people are going to be not, moving, you know? Like, I don't know. We're, we're not we're not. Have you, have you seen that, um, the opposite. Have you seen that city that out. they're building in Saudi Arabia? Which one? The mile long like mirror city. No, what <laughs> mirror? Oh man, it, it, it's cool. It's got like two big mirrors on it. It's just gonna be like a mile like straight, and it's everything compact into this little area. Jesus Christ! Like, it, it, it's a really interesting uh, like idea. I'll, I'll send you some links. Like that, that actually might be a uh, a, a like episode worthy thing. Yeah, that sounds like it. Anyway, back to the parking fairies. In 1995, Dave Harbour Harbour was doing what all people in power do when they encounter a problem. He ignored it. He stood by the fact that the parking tickets were raising, or rather the parking ferries were raising awareness about parking issues and the Paseo's gas station. His basic stance on the issue was kind of a a metaphorical sweating through his shirt while being defensive and hurt at a press conference, just like panting really hard, being like, no, I'm not mad. 
I'm I'm actually fucking psyched about it, dude. End quote. <laughs> and, and like all the while, you can see like this distress in his face, and in it, you can hear it in his voice, kind of a thing. Because in 1996, after a second year of completely ignoring a revenue problem for the company by which he was employed, Dave Harbour tendered his resignation, and the APA was disbanded. The proletariat. So they they've taken so much money that the APA and then the whole city collapsed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anchorage. Little known fact: Anchorage is a hoax now. It's a hologram. Uh, Oh, my friend. I have a friend who used to live there, and she like, she's like, yeah, they actually pay me to say that happened. But I was, I was really in Japan the whole time. Wasn't a real thing. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I was just paid for you know, like the whole time I lived, quote unquote, lived in Anchorage. Yeah, like, yeah, no, no, I was on that was that was a government paid vacation. Yeah, Anchorage is gone. Anchorage is gone. We've turned it it to glass. It 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 fully melted down. Yeah. Yeah. They had to, yeah, they had to glass it. They had to nuke it from space, yeah. Yeah. Because of the parking thing. (laughs) The whole world was in on it, too. It wasn't just the United States. That's that's why they can't talk about it, because Russia and China also nuked it. You know, like, we all nuked it together, but, like... It was our sovereign territory. It's like insta war at that point. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it's also because we... Follow my blog! (laughs) It's also because, you know, it was just... Without the parking authority... The city fell into chaos. So, anyway, later in 1996, <laughs> Linny and Susan recruited a handful of volunteers to stay overnight in an area uh, in an area called Town Square. They were there to feed meters and raise funds for uh, for kind of a child hunger charity. Still, the Anchorage Parking Ferries continued to raise money and feed meters, and they became such a popular organization that members of the government tried to lobby them to help rev- uh, to help revive another parking enforcement agency or business. But they, following their beliefs, said no. <laughs> so the, how dumb can you be yeah i know like right? that is some that is some like corporate advertisement jerry ass like pitch right there like hey why don't we go try and get them to do this like okay jerry well i'm like fucking idiot honestly what they're doing is they're kind of protesting corruption and like you know the, the aggressive use of these laws and stuff like that so when the when the government comes and lo- lobbies them and is like hey do you guys want to help us set up another parking authority they're like nah dude you can go fuck yourself we we've been literally rebelling against you stealing your money um in 1998 the anchorage parking ferries had spent four years creating chaos by solving really really simple problems they had been so effective that they decided to retire quote finally in september 1998 the ferries retired burning their wings in a ceremonial (laughs) ceremony outside city hall state State Representative Fred Dyson presented Lenny and Susan with a citation. And guys, wouldn't it be fucked up right now if it was, this was like a massive ticket that he gave them? <laughs> anyway. Two million dollars! They, they've spent the last they've like spent the rest when, of their like, life in jail. They're in jail today. Yeah. Go ahead, DC. It's like when the penguin lures Batman out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway, they presented uh <laughs> they presented Linny and Susan with a citation recognizing their good deeds. Um just like you know the city, yeah, anyway. It's, it's so good. A few years later the Pasillo family would sell Courtney's Tudor Service gas station. For a long time, Linny had dealt with quote muscular dystrophy and injuries from a car accident, end quote, and passed in 2006 at the age of 47. However, recognize the achievements of Linny, state legislators of Alaska, made the best decision for her memorial. 
They gathered up all their sensitivities, all their empathy towards the recently deceased, and put all of that emotional energy into a memorial that they knew Lenny would love. Their idea, the Lenny Paseo parking garage, was born in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I didn't say shit when I saw it. I Thank like, you so much. Sam. I was like, oh, this is exactly what he's talking about. This is the giant. This is the giant this, gem this on is the top reveal, of this yeah. heap of shit. Oh my god! And forever she shall be remembered. Yeah. You know, is it a free parking garage? No, it's absolutely not. And we're going to get to that here in just a second. So that, that's yeah. like, a tenant going to like, a, like a land or a, a tenant going to a slumlord. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, with the legislators moving the proposal forward, the Linny Paseo parking garage was opened in September of 2008. Quote, the southwest corner features glasswork depicting two ferries dropping change into parking meters, as well as the ferry mobile. Inside, a plaque offers a history of the Paseo parking ferries, end quote. In his article, quote, the Anchorage Parking Ferries, how a seventy dollar, uh, how a seventy five dollar ticket started a movement. Historian David uh, David Reamer uh, wrote what we are probably all thinking. Quote, well, I'm sure the Paseos were justifiably happy with the pu very public honor of naming a significant structure after Lenny. I'm less sure that a parking garage was the right place for her name. As one Yelp reviewer notes, the garage might be named after one of the parking ferries, but I don't think the parking ferries would be too, ple too pleased about the $20 highway robbery. Another review says, I don't think the parking ferries would endorse this overpriced cave. According to Park, <laughs> according to Parkopedia, it currently costs one dollar to park off street for one hour and twenty five dollars to park all day. Guys, do you know how many hours oh. are in a day? It costs you one hour for one and twenty five for a day. <laughs> I almost made That's that joke when deal. I first heard that. Like over and above. What, <laughs> what'd you say, Joe? I almost made the joke about being like, what is it, like $20 to park there now? It, yeah, like, it like... is. And so that's the end of our, our Scattershot yeah. episode, guys. That's the end of it. <laughs> Talked about Clark Stanley snake oil liniment, Lawrence John Ripple's bank robbery, and the Anchorage parking ferry. So how do, how do you guys Good feel? Good old days. Yeah. Good old days. They were terrible. <laughs> how are you, you guys feeling after all this? Um, It was good. You you showed the uh, government reach and um, good thing that they do all in the yeah. same episode. <laughs> yeah, pretty rare for us too, who's normally talking shit about the government. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sam, do you have any uh, do you have any feelings or thoughts? Um, no, that's uh, very interesting. I'm 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 so not surprised by any of it as usual. And one thing uh, I one thing I forgot to note is like. I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but Clark, Clark Stanley is like the snake oil guy, and he's the person that we're all like. When you say snake oil salesman, that's the person we're referring to. I'm it's pretty sure I made it really yeah. clear. I'm pretty sure I made it really clear, but I didn't say that out loud, so I wanted to get it in here at the very end. Well, I'm glad you uh, clarified that for yeah. the record. For the record. Um, I. Uh, Any final thoughts <laughs> before we? Uh... No, man. I'm looking at images of this 
70 75 mile long mirror building they're talking about building <laughs> and if Saudi you arabia and if you listener like what you hear you can find us on facebook we've got a, a facebook page for black sheep bad apples you can for now still send messages to big umbrella hug at gmail.com let me know what you think or give me episode suggestions i've been your host lauren o'brien thank you guys for being here sam joe i appreciate it so much thank you and uh until next thank time you, you listener Thank you for uh, listening to us here at BS and BA. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode.